Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Colossians 3, 1 through 11. Recently, I bought some new toys for a couple of my sons, and I sighed with frustration as I began to open them because to get these toys out, a screwdriver was required. And the reason I was frustrated is because it's not because I don't have a screwdriver, but it's because the screws were tiny. These were tiny screws. And so I went through all the screwdrivers I had in my tool bag, and none of them seemed to be able to get in there and get these screws out. And Many of you have probably experienced the frustration that comes where a job is required, but you don't have the right tools. And even I was trying to make the tools I had work, but they just weren't working. And it was frustrating. Thankfully, my wife, she had remembered, oh, there was some other toy that the kids got and there was some tiny screwdriver that came with it. And she had the good sense to actually keep that in a spot where we would know where it was. And the job was done. But it is so frustrating to try to do a job without the right tools. And that's basically what we've seen in Colossians 2. Do you want to stop the indulgence of the flesh? Well, if you're using worldly wisdom, if you're using just external rules and regulations, if you're using asceticism or things that may have an appearance of wisdom, it's actually going to be frustrating. What you really need is Christ. Christ is going to come and not only give us the right tools, but he's going to give us a whole new power. I mean, imagine you're, you're trying to do something with the wrong manual tools and somebody shows up and gives you the right tools and they're all power tools. It's a whole new ball game. And that's the idea. If you are in Christ, now it is a whole new ball game. And not only does Christ give you a new power that you've never had, but really your life has totally changed in its orientation. And that's what we're going to see here. The first few verses are going to give us the broader uh, objective of what we are to do and the reasons why. And then it's going to start getting very specific. It says in verse one, if then you have been raised with Christ and really the if there could carry more of uh, the idea of since. So basically, if you are a Christian, since you have been raised with Christ, something that he powerfully and eloquently described in chapter two. Well, now you are to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So you see this imperative to seek the things that are above, followed by a very similar statement in verse two, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth earth. Do you want to change as a person? Well, the only way you're going to do that is through Christ, through a new power that comes from being born again or raised with Christ, and then seeking the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. So that's the total change in orientation. 
that needs to happen. If you are a Christian now, you need to seek Christ and you need to, uh, really, I think this should be a call for us back to chapter two and verse six and verse seven. Let me read those for you again. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. That's the idea faith in Christ and being united in in Christ, that is what will give you the power to live a different life, uh, not these other things mentioned in chapter two. So now you need to set your mind on the things that are above. You need to value the things of Christ. You need to love him. You need to trust him. You need to set your mind on his word. You need to set your mind on eternity, not just this life. And we need to realize as Christians how much faith in Christ and how much being raised with Christ should change our perspective. It is not ultimately about this life. Your job is not the most important thing. Your family is not the most important thing. Your comfort is not the most important thing. Your career and your bank account or your legacy, these are not the most important thing. You will be with Christ. And verses three and four really give us the reasons why we should listen to the imperatives of verses one and two and seeking the things that are above. He says, for you have died. Your old life is gone. And now you have a new life that is hidden with Christ in God. And this new life will really reach its fullness in the the return of Christ. Because when he appears, you also will appear with him in glory. That's your future. And that is what you need to focus on. So as Christians, it's not just about how do I get the right tools to get the job done of stopping the indulgence of, of the flesh. It's I need a whole new orientation. And if I'm in Christ, I, I should have that because I've been raised with him. I, I've died to my old way of life. And now I have this new life and I'm going to focus really on the future. I'm going to focus on Christ and I'm going to focus on that idea of glory and being there with Christ. Now we get much more specific in verses 5 through 11. And and here's really what I want you to do and what I want you to think about is uh, these are sins that we are called to put to death. These are sins that we are called to put off. I want you to prayerfully consider this list and kind of three steps here. The the first would be identifying which of these sins stands out most to you as, as most urgently in need of putting to death and putting off. That would be step one. Step two would be consider how Christ and seeking the things that are above is a part of the solution, right? Paul is speaking not only practically, but also theologically. His point is you don't need anything other than Christ, which Even he says so much rich Christology in chapter one. So how should a right view of Christ help you in overcoming this sin? And then third, okay, now get very practical. What are you going to do to put that sin to death? It starts there with um, sexual immorality. And I think the things in that list are, are largely connected to that. Each one gets broader and broader. Sexual immorality, and then broaden that to impurity, broaden that to passion, broaden that to evil desire, and broaden that to covetousness, which is idolatry. So he starts here by targeting sexual sin and really traces sexual sin all the way back to 
idolatry because you are idolizing something that is not yours. That is covetousness. And he says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. So let's just briefly consider how should a right view of Christ help you um, to put to death these kind of sins? Well, one, you see in verse six, how he highlights the wrath of God is coming on account of these things. You see how seriously God takes that. But if you're thinking about Christ, you should realize, well, we have been delivered from this domain of darkness that is headed for the wrath of God and transferred into the kingdom of Christ, God's beloved son. And we have been redeemed and forgiven of these things. That's one way understanding Christ should help you in these things, but also in order to overcome these things, you must set your mind on things that are above. Like Moses, you must view the reward and view the reward is greater than the momentary pleasures of sin. Because if you just try to fight, especially sexual sin by saying, no, 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 stop it. Don't do that. Um, or, or even by saying, no, that, that's not good. You're, you're kind of denying something that even Proverbs says that there is something that is sweet about sexual immorality. Now, it warns you it's momentary sweetness and the end result is death. But if you just try to say, no, I, I don't want that, that's probably not going to work because there's a part of you that does want that. There's a part of you that is sweet. You need a greater thing to aim for. You, you need to not only say no to sexual sin, you need to say no because I'm looking above and Christ is sweeter and knowing Christ is better and, and glory is what, what I'm aiming for and this totally new orientation will give me richer joys and richer pleasures than uh, the pleasures of sin. And it will help me see that the, the pleasures of sin are very momentary. And I don't want the death uh, that, that chases after the momentary sweetness of this sin. That's connected to what, what you're really going to think about Christ. Next, he, he talks about how you must put them all the way. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Well, these things, uh, I think, are all connected really with that first word of anger, whether that's me just expressing anger, whether that's anger showing up in my relationships in malice and, and slander. And when do most people use obscene talk? Well, when they're angry, that's when profanity comes out. And that's where I think we need to connect that. If we're going to say, well, what about Christ is going to help me overcome anger? I think we have to go back to chapter one, where we are reminded of really the sovereignty and the preeminence of Christ. Uh, Christ is holding all things together. And even uh, he has this plan to reconcile all things to himself. And I think anger for us as humans is fundamentally rooted in a rejection of the sovereignty of God, um, that we reject God's sovereignty by basically saying, God, either I don't trust what you're doing, or I, I don't like what you're doing. And that's where our anger bubbles up from. But if we're saying, no, I'm trusting in the one who's the image of the invisible God, who created everything, who has a good plan for everything, I'm not going to be as angry. And then he talks about, do not lie to one another. And then he even says, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And that's where I would say, one of the biggest reasons people lie is to cover up their sin. Well, if you are now walking in Christ and there's not all of this secret sin in your life, guess what? 
there is so much less reason to lie. Um, and that will change because you've put off the old self with its practices and now you're putting on the new self. So you, now you have nothing to hide. Now you have nothing to lie about. And then verse 11 reminds us of another way people fall into sin. It says here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Throughout human history and every culture and every society, there have been basically sinful, fleshly, human ways that we have tried to divide ourselves by each other. Maybe it's race or ethnicity. Maybe it's um, economic status. Uh, There's all kinds of ways this can show up in society, but Christ should abolish uh, those human, fleshly divisions. Because if we are in Christ, we are one. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter what your background is. Really, the gospel and knowing Christ is the solution to this problem. And we see these divisions, you can think of something like racism, it's a very real problem throughout the history of the world. But when the world comes at, well, how do we solve this problem with their uh, really anti-God um, solutions to this problem, it's not going to fix anything. It's only going to come up with a new system of dividing people. Well, what we need is Jesus Christ and being united in him. So as you've looked in this list, again, the three things I want you to do, what stands out most to you uh, as these are the things in my life I need to put to death. Is it some area of sexual sin? Is it some area of anger or deception or some way of division? Okay, identify that. Second, go back even to chapters one and two. What is it about knowing Christ and seeking the things that are above that will help me uh, in overcoming this sin? And then three, practically, what do I need to do about it? Put to death what is earthly in you and set your mind on things that are above. We are to put a stop to the indulgence of the flesh, but Christ has given us the tools. He's given us the power. He's given us the orientation to do that. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.